was a rehearsal pianist and I've been looking at everything from the sidelines. So we're all really excited. Uh, this week, the M4 Music Theatre Festival starts. Uh, it's run by Conservatory Maastricht and uh, a lot of us have been a part of it in many different ways. And we're going to talk about that today, right? Yeah, we are. And um, I mean, I have to say, so I have no clue about operas um, and that's why I'm also here to, you know, speak for the listeners who don't know as much as these composers here. It's a bit intimidating sitting on this table, but I'm very excited to hear about uh, their productions. And uh, I also bought my tickets uh, and I hope we can encourage you to do the same. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad that you're here because, you know, otherwise a conversation between a bunch of people who make music can get uh, pretty specific. Mm. And we have a lot of inside opera jokes. <laughs> I'm curious about this, yeah. <laughs> but to start with, we are going to uh, play back a short recording statement from the um, Dean of the Conservatory of Maastricht, Joachim Junghans. Uh, he recorded especially for today and to kick off the opera festival. PM with the premiere of Sanetto and the Telephone and then with a varying program until July 2nd with four world premieres of new operas. Be our guest, be ready to be challenged and be ready to see some wonderful works in the field of new opera making. I look forward to seeing you there. Yours, Joachim Junghans. Well, uh, thanks a lot, Joachim. Um, <clears throat> and uh, so... Oh, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, my mic was not on. Okay, so that was the Dean, right? It's like, do you know him personally? Yeah, he's been deeply involved with the opera project and he's been doing a lot of work with it. I just saw him an hour ago working on working on things and, you know, setting things together. It's mm. uh, the opera festival will be held at the Music Hiterai, mm. which is a new space. And uh, we're all very excited to see it because nothing has been performed there so far. Mm. Uh, and so everything is new. The acoustics are new. We were some of the first musicians to go there and rehearse and check out the new space. Yeah, yeah, I think it's interesting that it's in the Musikitra. I was quite surprised about this because if I kind of visualize opera, I always think about these red, you know, theaters with the curtains and with the chandeliers. And I, I'm pretty excited about seeing an opera in a yeah Musikitra, which just which is usually like a pop rock uh, venue. Um, I've, I go there often, so uh, to to see bands, and um, uh, yeah, I, I'm kind of curious what you're gonna do with it, like also the props and the stage, and how you're gonna, you know, have yeah, an opera there. There's a lot of very interesting plans, and uh, the music hitera has is an extremely industrial kind of place, mm. and it has a lot of exposed concrete, which is like you say, it's very different from what we come to expect from opera with the velvet curtains and things like that. Yeah, and uh, I'm curious to see the result of what happens when you put in a bunch of people working on opera into mm. that kind of space, how they respond to the space, what they come up with. Mm. I think it's going to be interesting. Cool, yeah, and I think also. I don't know about uh, what, like, I, I really like to know what, what inspired you with the operas. Was it like, because this is more contemporary music, right? And I think, um, and also the, the composition class is a con contemporary classical musician class. Yeah, that's and I'm, right. And I'm really curious what, what exactly is contemporary opera and what can I, what, what are, like, uh, are, um, are people going to be dressed or, you know, in costumes or... Um, are people going to sing in uh, German? You know, that's <laughs> what I also think about when I think about <laughs> opera. Sorry, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, Is it going to be like uh, five hours long? Um, that would be really nice. Five euros for five hours. I think that's yeah, a, good a good rate. Yeah. yeah, that's nice. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, before all of that, let's uh, start with some, some music.
Yeah, that was Nina Simone with her song Black is the Color of My True Love's Hair. And I think, yeah, I mean, starting a show with Nina Simone is always a good one, I think. It's been, she's the queen. So, um, yeah, we're going to go into, uh, we're going to go into a little recording uh, of one of the singers, right? Who is that's um, right. Um, going this to is, be performing, right? That's right. Uh, mm-hmm. This is a recording. I uh, This is an interview I recorded with Anna Hyman yesterday. Unfortunately, Anna could not be here today because she's preparing for uh, the first night of one of the operas. 
this is not one of the premieres but one of one of two repertoire operas which will also be performed and uh, she's extremely busy because today's the opening night but she was kind enough to do to hold a short interview and so you'll be hearing that now i have here with me anna hyman a mezzo soprano who will be singing in one of the operas which will be performed this week anna can you tell us something about yourself um of course hi first of all hello um yeah well as you said i'm a, I'm a mezzo soprano um for those who do not know opera that means I'm the one who either plays the old woman <laughs> or uh the mad woman or the servant uh or like currently I play a man. So very it is a very flexible uh, list of roles. Yeah, it is. I'm sure it has great consequences for your mental health. Um it does. I mean, travesty is uh, my genre. <laughs> your bedfellow. <laughs> In this case, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm really it's it, bed is the keyword for this production. Oh, can you tell us a bit more about this production? Um yeah, we're now doing um in the framework of the Music Theater Festival, yet Conservatorium Maastricht, a production with German director Matthias Kaiser. Right. Of Mascagni's opera Zanetto. Yeah. Um which is a very interesting piece because uh, different to other operas it has only two roles who never do it. So um uh, Zanetto a young minstrel wandering around with my with my lute um going to Florence to meet uh, this famous woman called Silvia um and then there's of course Silvia uh, who encounters me and we have a, a great laugh affair but she never uh, disclosed to me who she really is and uh, in the end um well it's like a real laugh story so I don't say how it ends That's interesting. So we'll have to come and watch you on Wednesday, is that right? Yes. To hear how it ends. Wednesday evening, 26th of June at 8 o'clock at the Musique Critérie. And the Musique Critérie, it's a, it's a new venue in Maastricht. What's yeah. it been like? It's uh it's an old factory building, so um you can imagine how that affects already the the whole architecture. It's not built as a concert hall. Indeed, I've been there. I've done some rehearsals there and it's got an extremely industrial vibe. There's a lot of exposed concrete and there is actually a lot of work going on as well at the moment. It's still being constructed, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I've heard varying opinions on the acoustics and the feel of the big concert hall. What do you think of it? Um Well, there there are two parts. We have this part when you are on stage because it's a really a pop and rock stage. Right. Um So the the orchestra will will sit on the same level as the audience so we do not have a separation in in levels. You don't have a pit as is common in opera theaters. Exactly, we do not have the pit which means um our sound comes from above from the stage over the orchestra towards the audience. Um we have a very very interesting stage design with um our dream space as we call it. Um a half circle that of course covers the sound as well so we do have to deal with some acoustic challenges right um but we do have the possibility to leave the stage and go off so we can interact with the audience and the acoustics of the room um allow us to do this without losing sound so we do not need microphones or microports but the acoustics within the audience are still very good That's very interesting. So we can open up the space. Right. Yeah. In that space. 
and uh, a lot of what you described is fairly um, unusual for opera staging. It is. So, how would we start with what do you think opera is? This is this is the question for the week. You know, I've been asking everybody this for the entire week, maybe the month. But what is your definition of opera as somebody who is opera? You know, yeah. somebody who sings, somebody who stands in front of the audience in the orchestra, and does opera. Yeah, that's a very good question. I've been asking that myself, not only as an opera singer, but also as an academic. Um, very often I see this and it was the point where we all, always had gazillions of ideas. Yeah. What's opera for me? Um, the main thing that is important in an opera for me is the, is the story. I'm there to embody a story that will catch the audience. It's about contact with the audience and it's an energy flow between musicians, um, instrumentalists of the orchestra, um, my colleagues on stage with whom I not only interact musically but only also on, on an acting level and an audience who takes in what we what we do and gives it back and so it's a very broad definition you could also have this for oratorio or for, for lead but I think this story and this plot that you can see evolve that is the core um, of opera that's interesting, but I think what separates opera from lead, especially, and maybe to an extent oratorio as well, is a unique three-way connection you have between the the singers on the stage who have their own local interactions. Mm -hmm. Then you have your interactions with the conductor. And your interaction with the orchestra is largely defined through the conductor, although you sometimes have interactions of your own. So this very interesting triangle and how it's presented to the audience is, for me, what makes opera fairly unique. Plus the staging, of course. Yeah. Being on stage, playing a role, the staging and the story is more important because um, I would be too much in my head if I would think about the musical direction of the conductor. The conductor, for exactly. me, is only there to keep everything together, to react on what happens because once I'm on the stage and I'm singing and I'm playing and I'm completely in the role, I have no control about my music anymore. Of course, I, I practiced six weeks beforehand and I know my lyrics and I know my entrances and we practice so well that we know exactly what happens. Of but course, yeah. The magic happens when my brain stops functioning. Of course, yeah, it becomes muscle memory, it becomes automatic yeah. and you can focus on creating the emotion, the moments on the yeah. stage. Exactly, so, and, and we bring it forward. And uh, I have a wonderful partner on stage, uh, Rebecca von Kurt, mm -hmm. uh, who is my Sylvia. And every rehearsal we now had, we had a pre-general yesterday, and things come to life and they just pop up during the during the performance and it has never been there before and probably tomorrow evening we will not have that <laughs> either. Well, you can never see. Yeah, well, something else will happen. That's, <laughs> the, that's, that's this very good thing because now if it would, the same thing would happen, it would seem mechanic. Yeah. And once we, we go off that level of just repeating, you know, we have to go to the left and we have to look uh, to the right and you have to pick up a flower right. and once this becomes a natural reaction maybe it's a bit late tomorrow but it might just be the right moment yeah so there's a certain amount of theatrical improvisation in good staging yeah 
and, and that brings the, the music to life then as well. Right, yeah. Well, that was very interesting. Finally, before I let you go, I'd like to ask what you think could be the future of opera and music theater, because a lot of what we're talking about today is also related to the new. Mm -hmm. It is. What we have to think about is when we scream for something new, we always have to think, what do we have already? Yes. Um, is it bad what we have? Or can we maybe take something out of there? I don't think that, anybody would argue that Vedi is bad. Oh no, uh, fortunately, <laughs> <laughs> because otherwise uh, my plans for the next year would be in vain. Um, I think what we need is education and information about what is there, make people understand it more, um, and musical is so successful. It is, yeah. Um, and there are some very, very good musicals. And I first came to singing because I thought, oh, I, I'd like to have like one, one, two musical songs that I can perform sometimes because I like to sing. And that's how I got hooked onto classical music. And now six years later, um, I'm You're on the other graduating. Side. Yes, yeah. I am on the, uh, on the classical music side. So my transition was rather smooth. Mm -hmm. And I would love people to be able to have the same, to have an, an access to classical music, of course there are difficult pieces and um, even for me loving opera, sitting through an entire uh, Wagner opera, it's a challenge. Oh yes. Um, but it's rewarding as well and I, I would like to, not. there needs not to be somebody who now composes like Wagner that we don't need a new Wagner and we do not need a new Verdi or Bellini or Puccini. Um, we need new stories, we need contemporary uh, relations, we need new means of expression, of course. Um, and it needs to be a thing where all the parties are uh, integrated in. So we need to take the singer along, so mm -hmm. not just put something in front of us and say, so this is new opera, sing it. Yeah. Uh, take us along because we love uh, long lines and we like to be crazy sometimes so right. um, if we have a story and we have the mean and then we can develop something on stage with our with our partners and with the musicians that is not like Wagner not like very but beautiful maybe a bit more inspiring than sometime <laughs> I think there's a there's a lot of potential I think so too yeah yeah there's a lot happening and I think somewhere there is a bright future, but we have to kind of look for it. Well, the, the history of opera is not uh, written, written until the end. There, yeah. There's still a lot to come. There are some very interesting projects going on. There are commissions uh, at theatres being done um, with successful uh, literary um, motives that can just be um, employed. Uh, then we have those crazy combinations of instruments that normally do not go together, like with uh, Willy Arad's opera, where we have a saxophone quartet and a mezzo-soprano and an electrical guitar and a choir, which already describing it, it's like, oh, that's opera. Mm -hmm. um, and I think we can do a lot there and we need to build bridges from what we have um, to, to what we can make not necessarily from it, but next to it, with it. Yeah, I think that is 
what I wish for myself that opera becomes because I would like to do more things that are from my time and that I have a relation to, even though I still like doing Mozart. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks a lot. That was, there, there's a lot of very interesting things there. Uh, best of luck for your performance later thanks. today. And um, yeah, I hope that some of our listeners come and watch you and figure out what the end of Zenito is. Of course. And um, if they can't uh, make it on, on, on a Wednesday, then we have Thursday, Friday and Sunday to go. Right. With uh, some equally uh, beautiful coupling on stage. Well, that was an extremely interesting interview and um, a lot of controversial things have been said because emotions are running pretty high here in the studio with a bunch of opera makers with rather differing opinions and there's been a lot of shouting and um, I won't say that things have been thrown but things might have been thrown um, but we're gonna we're gonna let uh, things cool down here before we can get get back to speech as a method of communication and for that I'm gonna play a track for y'all this is uh, Lagrimas Negras by Buena Vista Social Club Oh 
the kind of music that can help us forget that it's extremely hot outside and uh, we are about to die because of the heat which has generally been the atmosphere with the student crowd in Maastricht here and I'm pretty sure everybody else anyway back to opera so uh, what I'm going to do now is I'm going to ask everybody in the room to introduce themselves and then we're going to talk we're going to fight about what we think opera is and isn't or whatever else we might want to so to start with well, I'm Lotte and I'm basically the clueless person, as I said before. I um, am here to just uh, help the listeners um, kind of, uh, you know, make sense of these, like the, the compos- composers and what they're all saying. Um, but luckily, I'm like next to Miyazaki, who uh, is actually performing as well. Yeah. Hey everyone, sorry. No, go ahead. But yeah. We're sharing a mic, by the way. <laughs> yeah, we are. Um, but yeah, I'm going to be performing in Blood on Canvas on Saturday and Sunday, which I'm so excited about. Mm. And he's also part of the student radio team, um, so that's nice. And then next up. Uh, hello, this is Cavour uh, Christos, uh, composer of uh, The Fly. And we're sharing also the same stage Saturday and Sunday with Blood on Canvas. Hey everyone, I am Felipe Hoyos Gonzalez, and I am the composer uh, of Blood on Canvas, which, like my colleague just said, and friend just said, uh, we will be staying on Saturday and Sunday in the Music Hitre. Yeah, and I'm George Gallo, the libretist of uh, Blood on Canvas, the second opera that I've worked with Felipe Hoyos. Oh my God, it just became a little bit hotter now just by you talking. <laughs> you have a beautiful voice. Thank you. We need to go right? back I to when a visa social Oh my God. <laughs> Can you please introduce yourself again because I cannot stop here listening to your voice. <laughs> <laughs> so guys, what did you think of what Anna and I have said? Oh. You, you were speaking with Anna? Uh, Yes. Anna Hyman was uh, who I interviewed. She's uh, singing today and on Friday in uh, Zanetto, which is an opera from the 1890s by Mascarni. And I have heard that it's pretty interesting. So I'm going to go and check it out myself on Friday. It sounds like a like a nice steamy, like perfect for this weather, um, lesbian opera, which I think is really cool. Maybe this is like the new contemporary opera that I you know, <laughs> which, know which about. actually is not supposed to be a lesbian opera but I like that you mentioned it about <laughs> it because yeah, I would totally go for to support oh opera I would like watch that. a lesbian opera yeah me too as well <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, but uh, it's a very interesting topic because uh, in the moment that the, this opera was made that it was in the 19th century uh, it was uh, pretty common in the tradition to have uh, roles uh, singing by uh, women but singing in a male role mm. in the case of Sanetto for example we have a good example of what is called a pantalon uh, role Mm-hmm. Pants rope. Yeah, exactly. Pants rope. Um, uh, and uh, it's, one of the, it's one of the topics that I would like to talk about, actually, because like Sashi just said, what, what, what opera means. And I think uh, that's, a, that's a very f- complex question, but I would like to respond uh, by saying that opera is always changing. Mm-hmm. And in this case, it's one of the examples that we have that we can mm-hmm. see operas nowadays that maybe are re-scribing and they are doing reinterpretations of this, what these roles means. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Mm. Yeah, and I liked what she said that she rehearses really a lot. Like it's, it's like you said, it's almost like muscle memory, but that it's also all about the emotion, and that when yeah. she's on stage, it's everything kind of, you know, becomes foggy, and she just is there, 
and uh, and I thought it was really interesting because you know it seems so practiced and I don't know like uh, I wonder how it is also for the performance like do you have any insight in that? Well <clears throat> I was part of the rehearsal process for The Fly and uh, I think even being a musician it was a huge surprise to me how practiced how rehearsed how precise everything was mm. I don't know what you guys have to say about that no yeah well I was going to say that uh, in, in any case every single performance is like the first time you're doing it so th that's uh, the thing of a living art we are not making movies mm. we are making yeah a, a very life uh, complex art which is opera in general so every time yeah you can practice all you want But mm. I can assure you that that day it's going to happen something that you didn't practice for. Mm. That's the idea, to be prepared for that. It's not more uh, memory, which of course, but you do that in your home, maybe alone and practice mm. with your piano or your whatever. And then you need to go there and face reality that mm. it changes. Uh, you have audience making things and noises and everything. It's uh, new every single yeah. time. Yeah, but I wanted to say that sometimes uh, contemporary music uh, because of the tradition or the weight of the tradition is seen like uh, a little bit messier than maybe the 19th century 18th century whatever yeah. but I think it's the quite opposite of that it's for me it's even more difficult not only to hear but I've been in all the rehearsals mm. of course just listening but you see how difficult it is to get everything in its moment it's time it's it's very complex that actually starts even from before uh, it was very nice that Anna was talking about the perception from the performer mm. because I am a composer I am not yeah. a performer of opera itself because I'm not a singer I, w I wish I, w I would mm. um, but it starts even from the conception of the construction of when we sit to think okay we are going to create something that is going to be performed it's completely different like when we yeah. Uh, create something that is going to be played by musicians, but in this time it's going to be performed and it's going to be and played act. in so and act exactly in so many ways mm. that actually Sashi used a, a, a very interesting uh, what makes opera unique. Mm. And I think that that's actually what makes opera unique that at the end, opera is this uh, um, encounter of different arts yeah. by that different people. So, how We all, uh, from the composer, the libertists, the performers, the musicians, the conductor, there are so many, the stage designers. There are so many uh, points of, uh, artistic points of view mm. working together. Exactly, working in this living art that is always changing in every rehearsal mm. from the conception of the piece that happened one year ago, the composition itself, to now when we see it live. Mm. Yeah, can we kind of talk about how it starts, like what so because I guess you're you're all students as well right in the in the conservatory so you get like um, the teacher comes and they say like okay we're gonna make an opera <laughs> how, how is that what are you gonna do then what's the first thing you're gonna do is there a brainstorm or like mm. give me some insights do you drink a beer together <laughs> um, well normally you you as a composer Uh, okay, not you then. Uh, <laughs> composers normally they, they, they kind of have uh, the first idea of what they want to make. So after that, they discuss it normally if it's about an opera with uh, librettists. Yeah, George? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yes. And <laughs> then uh, I guess when they agree and they know the deadlines, the terms of uh, the rules of what they want to do, then they make the, the idea more concrete in their minds. 
And at the end, it comes the the whole time of actual composition. And then, as everybody said, it, it gets the set designer, production, and all those stuff yeah. around. Yeah, I, I always like to say that um, for this huge uh, kind of artworks that are to be performed and that involves a lot of money and a lot of people at one point, uh, being a composer or a libretist or maybe a screenwriter for any play or for movies, uh, it is like being an architect. You are going to need the engineering team, so it works with you. Uh, but you are an artist, but you are, you need to work with reality. It's not like writing a poem that somebody's going to read, uh, maybe you don't know when or, or you need to think to write as we always like to say, Felipe and me, uh, to having uh, a calculator in your hand <laughs> so you yeah. can check always money because you need to make it possible, no? Yes, it, it's, it's, it's that question that, that I asked you when, when you said uh, that you're working together. I, I guess you, you, you told me that you have a, a company, you and Felipe, yes. Yeah. And yeah, that was my first question, like, guys, how, how at the end did you, you came with the idea on Blood on Canvas? Yeah. That's a great question. Yeah, I'd like to hear more about Blood and Canvas and also about what the company is. What do you guys do? Okay. Um, well, I would like to start saying that, uh, well, before Blood and Canvas, uh, our work as a librettist and as a composer started with our first opera that was uh, two years ago. And from that point, we decided to, to create a platform that would allow us to do this kind of pieces like George just said, like Gallo just said is pretty difficult to put so many people together in so many points of view that start from the blueprint of the opera itself, but we need to be open to see how it's being built. Right. Yeah. So kind of the idea of our company that in Spanish is called La Nueva Escena, which means the new stage, the new scene, uh, has a platform actually to put these people together, to put ah. stage designers together, to put conductors yeah, and together. especially to make opera in Spanish, exactly. which is not very usual, you know. And in the opera in Spanish, had this good or bad luck, it, it will depend on who's listening now, uh, <laughs> that we were, the Spanish, I mean, uh, and we as uh, Spanish speakers, uh, we were, yeah, uh, taken by the zarzuela. Uh, so everything of the Spanish opera at some point became just zarzuela, you know? And yeah. of course there are some operas in Spanish along history, yes, but course. most of them is zarzuela. Yeah. And it's not zarzuela just stocked in the 19th century, like a musical of the 19th century, a theater, mus musical theater. So we wanted to try to make contemporary opera in Spanish specifically. Which I is where you're going to listen uh, yeah. this weekend with Blood on Campus. There's yeah. actually an opera in Spanish. Yeah. <laughs> I think, uh, yeah, that's super interesting because um, we tend to think of uh, when we when we speak of opera, we tend to think of a few specific genres, a uh, few few specific languages. Yeah, and those tend to be, let's say, French, Italian, German, Italian, German. and that's it. Yeah, those three. Yeah, a yeah. few operas have been written in English, and there are a oh, few yeah. outliers in other languages. But Spanish doesn't even enter the question, despite yeah, yeah, the yeah. fact that uh, there is Zarzuela, of course. Yeah. But there's also like a legitimate uh, uh, history of opera in Spanish. Yeah, and it's just it it just hasn't made it to the big opera theaters or anything. Yeah. Exactly. So that's what you're addressing with the, with this company. Yeah, we're trying. Yeah, to make opera, which in this century uh, it has almost always to be 
chamber opera, yeah, which is I, something interesting that maybe the composers can tell us yes. about that. Why is it possible to make chambers opera and maybe not that huge 19th Wagnerian opera system yes. that you needed? I am oh, very happy that you mentioned that topic about the yeah. big, big theaters and that Gallo is saying about the chamber operas because actually uh, uh, something very interesting to explore nowadays that and to also invite the audience that opera first can be many things and if we go to the musical uh, way of putting it in the, uh, into the audience it, it can be presented in so many ways in so many packages it's not only about the big theater with the, with the, with the big space and the big orchestra it can also be a small space it can also yeah. be more intimate in some way which invites you to another way of listening also mm -hmm. that's true yeah The, the reduction in scale makes it a very different production, uh, production, a very different experience from the largeness of Wagnerian or even Puccini's opera. They, they're, yeah, all, yeah, yeah, they're yeah, all very yeah. grand in scope. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's like the whole story of 19th century opera is heading towards grandeur and uh, the, the stretching of everything to, to its maximum. Vocal ranges, stages, orchestras, productions, lengths. And now we're seeing a collapsing back to the small. Yes. To, to the yeah. intimate, to the to the close, and I think this kind of goes goes back to what Gallo and uh, Christos have already mentioned, which is uh, money, budgets. Yes, the, 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 this is what I was one. Yeah. I wanted to say it, it's actually nowadays uh, more difficult to find. Uh, let's call it uh, how they call it nowadays, like a sugar daddy. Yes, to <laughs> yeah, I'm uh, Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry, guys. Yes, <laughs> somebody, somebody to to pay like one. Uh, Now, see, this is where I will have to stop Christos and say that there are other words, yeah. <laughs> other ways to phrase this. But let's go with sugar daddy of, of for course, the moment. Of course, yes, but 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 so like opera like, is running out of sugar daddies. Let's yes, go on. But 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 <laughs> yeah, pay, paying 110 musicians plus uh, producer plus uh, the set designer, director, lights, blah blah. Yeah, for three months. Then. Yeah, for three months at least. <laughs> at least yes, yeah. because you need the actually a lot more before to prepare yeah, yeah. the the stuff to to pay the theater to yeah. pay everything and you don't know at the and in the end if you're gonna make it yeah. so you need a large amount of money and that's why we we actually got back into into something really small which can actually produce the same exact uh, result yeah although i always say that the cheapest of the operas is already expensive Yes, yeah. yes, totally, totally. Yeah, it's, it's, it's like movies. It's like making a you know, movie. Exactly. If you do a short film or whatever, it, it is it, expensive. Yeah, <laughs> it, it doesn't mean that that uh, because of reducing musicians, it, it didn't reduce yeah. the actual <laughs> price. But at least you, you cut a lot of money by cutting musicians. Yes. Yeah, musicians. Who needs them anyway? Yeah, actually, that, that's that's true, huh? Well, with now with all the electronic music and thing, that's yeah. been rethought. You, you see, you, you can even take out singers. Yeah. Maybe in yeah. the end you just have electronic plus electronic. Anna, don't listen to this. <laughs> oh man, just imagine what Anna would be thinking. You know, people, people like Anna work for so many years on their singing technique, only for people like Christos to say things like, "Who needs a singer anyway?" <laughs> no, no, I was going to say actually when I was hearing Anna and you ask what's opera. Uh, That I was, I was thinking quickly, like a very short and brief but precise definition. You and don't, I think you don't need to be short and brief. I, I can hear your <laughs> voice for as long as you want. <laughs> <laughs> but I was, I was saying that uh, it, opera for me is singing and not talking. Yeah, and, that's yeah. Go on. That's it. No, that's it. It's that. That was. La, la, la Reforma Fiorentina in the 15th century when they started to say, okay, I think we are doing something new. Yes. It was the very simple but absolutely new idea to do a drama absolutely singing 
Yeah, but uh, that's kind of controversial now. Um, okay, I think Zaki wants to say more controversial things than I do at yeah. this moment. Yeah, he's almost fighting there. I have a question. Um, so, based on that definition, is Les Miserables an opera? Oh, there yeah. we go. Yeah, yeah, I know that. That's the, that's the thing, right? But maybe then you could answer that there are not lyric uh, singers. That there are not. They don't have the whole technique that maybe the academy requires. I think anyone who has studied musical theater will largely beg to differ. Well, yeah. Well, I think that goes to an aesthetic uh, discussion. That <laughs> yeah, it will take uh, a long time and some mojitos. So, <laughs> yeah, I think the distinction between music theater and opera is really one that's extremely difficult to discuss at this point. Yeah, yeah. Plus, I'm 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 really sorry, but that's a, that's the the reason why you don't invite singers or general performers into the studio with composers. Huh? <laughs> yeah, because they. Uh, <laughs> Plot twist. I am both. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that was a joke, guys. <laughs> we, no, but no. It, it, yeah, but I know that it's a it's a it's a, it's a complex uh, topic to discuss right now. But it actually lead us to what we are looking forward to do this weekend, which is uh, invite to from our perspective, from our side, what for us can be doing opera in this century nowadays. That yeah, yeah. is a very broad term, like you just said, Les Miserables could be that we can yeah. have someday another day to come to come back here and talk about it. But actually going back to what is happening in, in this festival is actually inviting people to see that we can listen to opera in different ways. Yeah, yeah. but but no, yeah. F for example, we have a lot of um, uh, salsa opera. We, uh, oh, Ruben yeah. Blades did one and uh, maybe uh, uh, we, we have many examples of different genres of the thing of, yeah, it is telling a story just think, uh, singing right uh, yeah. because maybe uh, a singer would say no but they sing with microphones you know but well today even in some Wagnerian place and whatever they have little microphones on the air to help them a little bit or whatever so yeah for me it's not a problem to say that the Miserables might be an opera yeah for, yeah, me, for me it's yeah. all sung so yeah. Is, is there then also a difference be between musical theater and opera? We, we don't know. know. Chan, chan. <laughs> okay. yeah, that's what chan, chan, chan. yeah, that's what. Maybe co co very uh, precise and academic and rigorous composers might think that there is one, but mm. I don't know. I, I yeah. think it's a way. I, I, don't, I was thinking even that this could be the, the evolution of uh, yeah of opera, like music theater. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, for it, sure, it, it doesn't have to yeah, the, the, or uh, the magic yeah. flute that yeah. we consider today an opera. Which was especially uh, if we consider the term music theater. If we talk about the, the actually the the intersection between theater and music, that actually is opera itself also. Yeah, which yeah. is the name of the festival, by yeah, the way. Which is the name of the <laughs> festival. Yeah, yeah, that's why. I, but that's why I brought it up. Yeah. I left the table for a little bit, but now I'm yeah, caught yeah. up, I guess. And uh, yeah, so that sounds like super interesting. I mean, it feels like we're part of a little. Uh, tiny revolution like uh, in the audience we can see because also I think a bunch of people that um, haven't even seen an opera yet before and mm. then if what what would their what, what would their like experience be mm -hmm. if they if they come to yours well uh, I think it, they will feel a lot mm. that for me uh, as a composer is, is one of my main uh, the, one of the main things that I always put in what I create is mm. that Maybe if we go aside the world of understanding or not, but I think it will, they will feel things, mm. excitement, even mm. sadness. If we if we speak very 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 uh, simple uh, ways of uh, of talking about feelings, but I think that they will they, they will vibrate vibrate inside. Mm. Yeah, and they for sure are, go are going to see something very different for the traditional opera. Mm. So that's important. Yeah. In our first opera, which is, was very interesting for me, 
many people that that had never watched an opera came and said oh it's mm -hmm. my first time and now i love it and i say okay but you need to know that opera is <laughs> yeah, not like exactly. this in general so <laughs> for me it <laughs> but was i say the same, cool yeah. that you can go and check yeah so maybe you can find out other things but yeah i think it's very interesting with the contemporary stuff and the experimental stuff because for me it was the gateway to jazz actually to watch mm. it uh, contemporary and experimental jazz because I always yeah. associated jazz for instance with the uh, uh, elevator music and then when I saw something that was super raw and emotional mm. which was uh, you know more experimental I was like oh wait now I get it maybe because this yeah. is, hits me um, mm. a bit harder I guess yeah yeah and, and also because there is always a lot of wave uh, behind the term contemporary mm -hmm. which always brings a lot of uh, debate uh, among also musicians and also pe uh, people that goes to listen mm -hmm. and uh, i can tell you that for me it's about listening to with your heart open and mm -hmm. your and your uh, and your ears open mm -hmm. and then you can get an experience that i think you maybe even like which is fine. It's fine not to like everything mm. that you see or everything that you yeah. listen, yeah. but maybe you will experience something. Mm. And even from the space, how the space is being used in the auditorium that we're using from the music yeah. today for the fly uh, of Christos and uh, our opera Blood on Campus, you will have something different already. That's a little hint that I can tell you that even the use of the space will be already a yeah. little bit different experience. And mm. anyway, uh, th these two operas are not that experimental that sometimes mm. it could get. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Are, they, I mean, they have a storyline that yeah. you can follow characters mm. that sometimes, yeah, there are very radical uh, proposals. Mm. Is, this is not the case. Yeah. Uh, we have hints of that, of, yes. oh, yeah. of course, which is actually an invitation to, like, like, like Galo said, that opera is, is, is can be a lot of things. And uh, it, it, just like he mentioned, it, even our proposal is not even that experimental. It's experimental mm. in a certain way, but it's also kind of an invitation also to keep digging in in the mm. topic, maybe. Yeah. And enjoy yeah. it. Yeah, nice. I don't know. I think bringing it back to the, mu to the musical theater discussion, I think maybe one of the largest differences between it is the perception of opera as some type of upper class thing and musical theater as being Good some more yes. of the people's art form. And yeah, I feel like that's one opportunity for this festival to kind of break down that yeah, idea. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Which, yeah, because it goes to a very interesting uh, topic about society also because opera has everything, uh, goes with society and evolves with society. And indeed, like Saki is saying, opera, there was a moment in history that opera uh, meant something in society in the context that it was made. And I really like actually one of the, sl the slangs, uh, the phrases that the, the music theater is using uh, in the music today. That is like you can forget your Googles. And your pearls. Yeah. yeah. And your pearls. And your pearls and your dresses. And you can just come however you like to listen nice. to this. Yeah. Very inclusive. Yeah. Mm. Yep. Well, anyway, that's been extremely interesting. And uh, <laughs> the nice thing about talking about art is that you don't have to answer questions, but keep them in your mind while yeah. you come and attend exactly. these operas or whatever you might call them. So I'd like to thank everybody again for being here and for saying a lot of very interesting things. Oh, thank you and for making, having us. Oh, you're welcome. Thanks <laughs> for all the jokes you've made behind my back as well. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, we are about to say bye. But before we do that, we'd like to play uh, the statement of our Dean Joachim once again. Hello, this is Joachim Junghans, director of the Conservatorium Maastricht. The last days of June and the beginning of July is a wonderful time to be in Maastricht. The weather is beautiful, the city shows itself at its best, and also you can see the Conservatorium at its best. We stand for exciting performances, an international mindset, 
and to do things new and different. And each evening from June 26th until July 2nd, you are able to witness that in action. I cordially invite you to join us for the M4 Music Theatre Festival. The M4 will feature four world premieres as well as two existing operas. With the M4 Music Theatre Festival, we bring a different operatic experience to Maastricht. It will be your chance to see the brand new performance spaces of Maastricht's Music Eaterei. You will not only be surprised by the spaces, but also what's happening inside. Let's get innovative, disruptive and challenge the genre of music, theater and opera together with artists and with you, our audience. Not only have our students worked very hard together with their teachers, but also us, the conservatorium as an organization, in order to put this festival together. We believe that the artists of tomorrow have to look at music and performance from a different angle. And that's why we are continuing to try to find new ways of music performance. And this is what you will witness. So be our guest from the evening of 26 June at 8 p.m. with the premiere of Sanetto and the Telephone, and then with a varying program until July 2nd with four world premieres of new operas. Be our guest, be ready to be challenged, and be ready to see some wonderful works in the field of new opera making. I look forward to seeing you there. All right, so that was again the speech of the Dean of the Conservatory. Um, yeah, we had a little technical dis difficulty here today. I mean, it's very hot, you know, it's um, cut us some slack. So uh, the first bit that you heard was actually the end of it. So now you had the full picture of uh, why you should go to this um, beautiful event. I mean, I think already our guests have, exp you know, have uh, already, um, you know, gotten you there, They've I guess, hopefully. Them. Yeah, we're all really convinced. Yeah, I mean, I am. I mean, I already bought my tickets, but now I'm like, have a, a next level excitement. So um, yeah, so I'm I'm uh, I'm really excited about this, and um, I hope uh, that they can even more uh, bring this opera experience to the next level and the new generation. I guess. Um, so yeah, and also like, what we always do, of course, is that we thank our um, sponsors. So we are sponsored by Code Zero Four Three. This is an organization that helps student initiatives run their, um, yeah, help them financially basically, but also support them. Uh, so if you have your own initiative, then go to them. Uh, I also want to ask, like, uh, you know, uh, thank our guests here today. Um, and I want to thank RTV for hosting us in their studio. So uh, thank you all for listening. And right now we're going to listen to Stevie Nicks Superstition uh, to end this all. And um, yeah, to, oh, we're having a little bit more time, I guess. <laughs> I'm looking at Zaggy and his face. Small is like, correction. Ooh. It's not Stevie Nicks, it's Stevie Wonder. Oh, Stevie Wonders. Oh my God. I'm okay. sorry, I had to so correct you. Stevie Wonder <laughs> is my grandmom's favorite singer. So. <laughs> Okay, so this is like just uh, you know telling that I am the the clueless one. <laughs> I don't even I don't know much about opera, but also not about uh, pop music, I guess. Or <laughs> okay, let's listen to this, guys. I'm I'm done. I'm done. <laughs>
Maandag hamburgers 8,75. Dinsdag, woensdag en donderdag pizza's voor 7,75. En vrijdag onbeperkt sperrips voor maar 12,50. Van alles schet. Rijksweg 132, Bergen ter Pleit. Van alles schet, daar vind je het. Kijk voor meer info op vanalleschet.com. Bij autobedrijf Ploemen in Meersen vertaalt onze liefde voor auto's zich al ruim 80 jaar in zorgzame service en vakmanschap. Natuurlijk hebben wij ook onze favorieten. Vandaar dat autobedrijf Ploemen gegroeid is tot de Volkswagen en Audi-specialist van de regio. Maar autoliefde kent geen grenzen, dus verwelkomen we ook elk ander merk voor onderhoud of reparatie. Welkom bij autobedrijf Ploemen aan de Ambierweg in Meersen. Like onze Facebookpagina en doe mee met leuke acties. U luistert naar RTV Maastricht. 87.5 op de kabel, 107.5 in de ether. Dit is ons thuisstaan met het Radio Nieuws. De vicepresident van rederij MSC heeft het ministerie van Infrastructuur beloofd 3,35 miljoen euro te betalen. Dat is het bedrag die het Rijk, natuurbeheerders en gemeenten hebben geclaimd... naar aanleiding van de containerramp met de MSC Zoe. Daardoor sloegen 342 containers overboord. Een deel ervan zorgde voor een grote ravage op een aantal stranden. Gemeenten en natuurbeheerders willen 710.000 euro hebben... en het Rijk wil 2,64 miljoen euro zien van MSC. Vanwege een groot ongeluk met meerdere auto's op de A2 tussen Amsterdam en Utrecht... is het verkeer rond Amsterdam vastgelopen. De politie doet op de plaats van het ongeluk onderzoek. Daarom is de verwachting dat de problemen rond Amsterdam gedurende de hele avondspits zullen duren... De vertraging is intussen opgelopen tot anderhalf uur. Omrijden via de A27 en A1 heeft ook weinig zin. Daar is sprake van één uur vertraging. Door de storing bij hulp nummer 112 afgelopen maandag... blijkt één persoon om het leven gekomen te zijn. Een vrouw uit Breda werd die middag rond half vijf onwel. Haar familie probeerde 112 te bellen... maar door de storing bij KPN lukte dat niet. Ook haar huisarts kreeg geen contact. Ze werd gereanimeerd, maar de hulp kwam te laat... Inmiddels hebben diverse partijen in de Tweede Kamer aangegeven dat 112 altijd bereikbaar moet zijn en een dergelijke storing onacceptabel is. De NS gaat de nabestaanden van de Holocaust financieel tegemoetkomen. Het gaat om zo'n 5.000 à 6.000 overlevenden van de Holocaust, hun weduwnaars, weduwen en hun kinderen. De NS trekt daarvoor tientallen miljoenen euro's uit, zo heeft topman Van Bokstel laten weten. De ongeveer 500 nog levende Joden, Roma en Sinti... die door NS naar de vernietigingskampen zijn vervoerd... krijgen ieder 15.000 euro. Weduwen en weduwnaars 7500 euro... en kinderen 5000 of 7500 euro. Het weer zonnig en droog, maar aan de kust wat bewolking. De temperatuur ligt tussen 19 en 31 graden. Tot zover het Radio Nieuws. U luistert naar RTV Maastricht. Too fast, too slow Regret, remorse, hold on 